Hey, it's Alan Berg. Are you coming to Wedding MBA this year? Well, I'll be there again. I haven't missed one since the first one in 2007. So I look forward to seeing you there. And if you want to save $20 off the current ticket price and they get higher as you get closer, go to WeddingMBA.com. Use the promo code Alan, A-L-A-N. WeddingMBA.com, promo code Alan, save $20. I look forward to seeing you there. Before we get into this episode, I'm starting something called Ask Me Anything. That's right. You submit your questions and they could become an entire episode or something that I answer at the end of an episode. To submit your questions, look for the red button at podcast.allenberg.com. That's right, podcast.allenberg.com. Click on the red button, submit your question, and maybe you'll hear it here on the podcast. Thanks. How do you go from political speech writing to wedding speech writing? Listen to this episode and find out. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg. I'm a speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, and I help businesses like yours sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I have a very interesting guest on that I met recently at a Wedding Pro event in Chicago, Brian Franklin with Vows and Speeches. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. We were we were talking, you know, chatting over lunch or wherever we were sitting there. And, you know, as you go to any of these events, you talk to people, so what do you do? Okay, you're a photographer, you're a venue, you're a whatever. And you are not an officiant, but you write ceremonies, right? And you write speeches for weddings. So first of all, give a little background, because I already teased people that you were sure. a political speech writer. So <laughs> sure. how did you, what did you do? And then where was the transition to this? Sure. Uh, yeah, we do, we do custom vows as well. We started about a year and a half ago, mainly because my wife and I, my wife also works in politics. We don't really like politics. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun industry for a long time. We both came from advertising. I worked as a copywriter. I worked uh, as a creative director. Later on, I started a company that did political consulting and a good portion of that was writing any number of things for, for politicians and, and for campaigns that could have included speech writing, but also included debate prep and countless ads and that sort of thing. So you know, we were part of the part of the machine that has torn this country apart. And as it started to go sour, we started to look at different ideas that might get us out of it. I tried a couple of different businesses that were not related to weddings and, or, uh, and, and loosely related to politics. And then, uh, we were in the middle of the pandemic and I started to do a podcast of my own and I started to interview some of the more interesting people that I knew, uh, some, a lot of musicians, actually a fair number of drummers. But one of the people that I interviewed was this, or is this guy named John Mills, who was the, was a writer on the tonight show for 17 years, a joke writer and did a lot of speech writing and ghost writing for other people. And so I started to look at speech writing as something that maybe I could do. I was qualified to do initially looking at corporate and then started to think about weddings and something clicked in me. I went on clubhouse and there were a few people there uh, that were moderating a room and I raised my hand in clubhouse. And for those people that aren't familiar with clubhouse, it's like an audio conference room app where you can jump into different rooms and raise your hand and it's moderated. So I 
raised my hand and I brought up the idea of doing wedding speeches. And immediately someone said, you should add custom vows and ceremony scripts to that. And while we were in the room, I bought vowsandspeeches.com. I had our, de- our designer who works for with us on, on the political stuff make up a logo. Two hours, he was, He's a fast logo designer. Two hours later, I had a logo, put up a Squarespace site and sent it back to the moderators who were who, who were <laughs> blown away. You know, it was a fully fledged site and then put up some ads the next day on, on Google and got clients. And so I said, okay, there's something here. You know, it took a little while to to work on it, but this, you know, while there's some, there are a few others that are uh, kind of poking around in it or have in the past. Nobody's really made a niche out of it. Nobody's really made a, a national brand or business out of it, as far as I can tell. And so I saw an opportunity to do that. And as we talked to people in the business, they responded quite favorably, and 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 now the clients are. So, it's, so that's kind of how this thing developed. So uh, vows make sense. Are you dealing with a couple? They don't know where to start with writing their personalized vows. Or they so run out of time. Yep. <clears throat> well, gee, yeah. if running, running out of time planning a wedding. How could that yeah. happen? Oh, wait a minute. It's next week. We need to do something about this. But then the speech part. So the people that are giving the speeches, I suppose it could be the couple thanking their guests, but but who who else are you writing speeches for? Father and mothers of the bride, for instance, or the groom. Best man, maid of honor speeches are typically what we would do. And sometimes those are provided to them by the couple. So they're they're given this assistance in part because they the couple knows that they are going to be a problem and they want to make sure that they're not embarrassed or go on too long. That's one of the things that we're, you know, one of the things we're solving. But we also get a fair number of people that are simply nervous about speaking or they don't, they're not great writers and they just, you know, they've got a wedding next weekend and they don't know what to do. And they found us somehow either through the wedding planner or through, you know, just doing searching. Uh, That was going to be my next question. So how are people finding you? Uh, Obviously you said Google, so Google ads or Google searches, but how are, what are some of the other ways that people are, have found out about you so far? Well, we've been lucky in, in part, thanks to uh, OFD Consulting and, and, and Megan Ely, we've been lucky to get some early press in The Knot and Brides and, and elsewhere that has uh, helped us in the search op- optimization front. And we've gotten into some articles like how to write a speech and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that's, we've gotten business out of that. We seem to be rising through the Google algorithms anyway. Mm-hmm. in part because of those articles, but I think just we've been working on it. And so people are finding us through organic search as well. And, and it just, I think we've gotten two referrals already just from previous clients. So that's been fun. Yeah. Right. And and again, somebody sees that it's like, Hey, that was a great yeah. speech. And then the question is, do they tell them that they had help? Or <laughs> It's been an interesting, yeah, we, we have some clients there that are like, yeah, you know, they're not afraid to tell anybody. And then we have a lot of clients that where the it's one side of the couple and they don't want the their fiance to know that they got help they they simply just feel outmatched as a writer or they ran like i said ran, ran out of time and <laughs> and they uh, but they want strict confidentiality on it and that's that's totally fine you don't have we, we don't we don't need your testimonial it's okay <laughs> or if we do we'll just use your first and last initial or something like that exactly we'll yes you helped me but don't tell anybody that it was me right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> names yeah. have been withheld to protect the innocent the, yeah the, and look go. it's it's the, the truth is they shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. If you look at all of the other professions attached to a wedding, you know most yeah. people aren't doing their own photography or doing their own hair. Right. Uh, so it's it's something that they shouldn't feel anxiety about. But at the same time, they when we do these speeches it, or these vows, 
we're interviewing them for 30, 40 minutes. We're getting all of their own words or sentiments. This is stuff that came from them. So it's not like I'm writing somebody's vows and I'm just giving you this, this fictional interpretation. This is something that came from them. And often it's a, it's almost word for word out of the, out of the interview, but, but we have to assemble it properly and cut it back. Right. Yeah. Well, that's again, asking good questions. You're getting it. This goes back into sales and what I teach, you know, yeah. if you ask, if you ask them good questions, they will tell you what they want. And in yeah. your case, if you ask them the right questions, they're going to tell you what they want to say. They just don't know how to put it together. Right. It's right. like, go, you know, ghost writing of a book. Somebody's like, I have my thoughts, but I don't know how to put it together. That's what editors do. Right. And, and, and in and a do. lot of cases, they forget the fun parts, right? They know what they, what they think they want to say, but they forget the fun parts. And so what happens is, is I'll interview them and we'll, we'll get to a point in the interview where I'll go, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's, Let's go back to this part where you, you know, <laughs> left her out in the pouring rain and, and you know, <laughs> or you, or you stumbled upon each other in a supermarket or let's go, you know, what were you buying? Do you remember? <laughs> and then, so, you know, that, that'll be the, the color that goes into it. That really makes it fun. Then what are you looking for? Right. When you're, when you're doing that interview, what are you, what is like the, the formula? I know again, it's, it's, it's formulaic. It's not cookie cutter, right? So there's there's a certain thing there. What do you want to have in that end speech? There, what are like like some of the elements uh, that would make in, it? This is a great in speech. the speech or the vows. Uh, let's start with the vows. What I'm looking for in the vows, I think, are those moments that make it particular to them and their personality. When you have things that I, I always ask them a question like, "What are some of their pet peeves about you?" And what are their what are your pet peeves about them? Right, and we'll get into some of the the things that 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 they have fun teasing each other about, right? Whether the person has a collection of army men or, or, or guitars or, or guitars or, <laughs> you know, yeah. Or, or one person has grudgingly gotten into the 90 day fiance or whatever it might be. Right. There's, <laughs> there's always these little things that they talk about. My favorite example of this is there was this room that was very, very shy. It was very, standoffish with strangers and and just known for being that and and she barely got him to talk when they first started to talk and <laughs> and it, it became a personal challenge for her but then what then you find out that for her birthday he not only got her tickets to Ariana Grande which was her favorite artist but he learned every song Ariana Grande had so that he could sing along with her and the 12 year olds that were in the audience on the floor right <laughs> And so that, you know, that's the kind of thing that has to go in a, there's nothing formulaic or templated about that. That has to go in and we have to talk about this guy being this person, right? Whether it's in the ceremony or in the vows. So those, you know, none of them are are alike. I think the formula is that we end with some kind of vow or, or vows. And I usually insert a couple of fun ones in there, but other than that, it might start in the middle, right? There we were, you know, on that beach in Mexico, and you were, you know, you had gotten food poisoning and we were running or, or you know, that kind of thing. Or there we were. describing my honeymoon? Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or there, you know, or there we were in the, you know, and you shouted bear, but there was no bear. And I ran like hell and left you behind. But, you know, it, it, we can start in the middle. We can start it as long as it's fun and it, it captures their personality. It's funny because as you're saying that, my mind, I'm happily married for a long time, goes to these things with my wife, the things that I could yeah. tease her that we both laugh about now. But at the time, 
You know, like the time she thought a chipmunk was a rat because she's a city girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, it, that's well, the stuff that makes people interested in, in, in what we're talking about. Right. I mean, if, right. otherwise it's just the same old wedding that everybody's li- heard before. You, you <laughs> want to hear these stories. And, and especially when it comes to the ceremony, I think you need to tell the story of the relationship because the people don't, the people in the audience, they might know one side or the other. They may, they may be friends with you, but not know your origin story or how, right. or who you are, really are as a couple. And uh, and one one important component of our service is that we also do delivery coaching. So once they have a draft that they love, we it's included in every package. They get one rehearsal session with us, and that gives us a chance to say, let's emphasize this word for comedic effect. You need to slow down here, or you're reading it, you're not saying it, and you need to practice it more and put some more lift and some more more fun in your voice. And and you know you're saying something funny. Let's let's. Let's right. say it in a way that you would say it if you were saying something funny, right? And and go through it with them. And it gives it gives them a little bit more confidence. I'm a speaker. I've done a lot of public speaking, but I am not a comfortable speaker extemporaneously. Okay. I have natural stammers and I go, um, and I do all the things you're not supposed to do. But if I practice and if I've, I know where I'm going with it and I've written it down and I practice it, then I can do it almost flawlessly. It just takes a lot of work. and. So you'd have to take them through that process too, because that's what's going to give them the confidence when they stand in front of 150 or 200 people that they know and spill their guts, right? (laughs) You know, and as a professional speaker, and I've been doing this for a long time, I tell people, you have to practice out loud. People are like, no, I've been reading it through. No, 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 no. You have to practice out loud. Your mind never gets tongue tied. Your tongue gets tongue tied. Words don't run the well together out of your, and then you start, you know. And and as a speaker, I've been doing this a long time. I know when I'm reading things in my mind, I know what they're going to sound like because I've been doing this 20 years. It was not always like that. The the filler words, uh, there are some politicians that I can tell when they're on script and off script because they're different. They're they're different. It might might still be good, but Mm -hmm. on script, when they've practiced, man, it just killing it. And off script's like, okay, there's the filler words again. The filler words come in because they're just, um, they're thinking. Especially when they're in a debate or if they're being asked questions or that sort of thing. The other thing that I think people do wrong when when they're speaking and they're not experienced speakers is that they don't really know what three minutes or four minutes is on a page. Right there. So this is really pertinent to the, the planners out there. You you can tell them three minutes all day long. You can tell them four minutes all day long, but unless they're reading it out loud and timing it, they will never know. They'll not, and they'll make this mistake over and over again. And so that's why you get people that come in with three four pages of material, you know, at twelve point font, <laughs> and think that they've got a three minute speech, and it turns out to be twelve minutes. Right. They, they, people have no concept of time. When I started doing the podcast, I said to myself, I want to make my personal ones about 10 minutes. Yeah. And the guests I'll let go longer like this, but my personal one's about 10 minutes. And I would put a timer out. And then I realized I do have a better conception of time, not a great one, but a better conception of time. And that for me, the timing wasn't important. It was, did I finish the thought? And I had some, remember the first one I did that was like four and a half minutes. And I went to my podcast producer, Richie. I said, Richie, it's four and a half minutes. He said, so? I said, it's only four and a half minutes. He said, did you finish the thought? I said, yeah. He said, you're done. That's yeah. it. You're done. Don't don't add, right? What was it? Mark Twain wrote a letter. I would have made this shorter, but I didn't have the time, right? Because <laughs> as you know this as a speech writer, and I know this, right. it's really hard to write a short speech. It's really hard. Give someone 30 minutes, they'll go on. You tell them you have three minutes and you time them for three minutes. My, my most 
harrowing speaking experience ever was two minutes on stage in front of 1,700 professional speakers with a clock in front of me counting down two minutes. And when it hit zero, my light and microphone were going off. That is two minutes. (laughs) There's nobody going to put a hook and say, hey, you have to finish. No, your light and mic went off. You're done. That was, has a, been my, my hardest speech to give. There's a reason why when you put on a rock song, it's like three or four minutes for that, that, at most, right? Uh, on the radio, and they do radio edits for songs. There's Not every song is Led Zeppelin or, or, or uh, <laughs> right. you know, or- uh, No American Pie. Rhapsody or that American sort of thing. American Pie, yeah. But, yeah, they, there's a reason those songs are short, and it's because of people's attention span. And, and yeah. think of people, the couples themselves, don't think about all the weddings they've been to where you've had to sit through even a five or six minute, it's hard to pull off the five minutes speech and be good, yeah. right? You have to really nail it to do five minutes of good content. And three minutes is is difficult enough. And I think that my, I, I come from the perspective of someone that is not only a, a speech writer, so I'm paying attention to this stuff, but I'm also a little ADD. And so I, I look at it like, is this going to be something that People are going to want to listen to for more than three minutes, or is this a, is this a paragraph that uh, that is just simply too long? And that goes to something else I think, which is flow. You could even have if you have three minutes of material that is the same tone or the same, you know, if it's all serious, if it's all sweet, if it's all monotone in its presentation, then those three minutes will seem like ten. Right. So I I look at these speeches almost like concert set lists, right? Where you have to have a slow song. If you're doing all fast, you got to insert some slow songs just to break it up. Your little acoustic part in the middle of a heavy metal concert, maybe, right? Or or vice versa. If it's all kind of adult contemporary, you're going to want to punch up or or right. down a little bit to to give some dynamics to what you're doing. And and that's part of what we do when we write it, and that's part of how we work with them when we present, when we work, get to the presentation part of it. See, I can't talk the presentation <laughs> part of it, but, but that's what we're working on. And that, and as they practice and then they work on it, the whole thing starts to take that shape. Are you also helping people that where they have the friend doing the officiating? That's exactly what we're doing. So that when okay. we write ceremony scripts, most of the people that are new or inexperienced officiants don't know, first of all, they don't know all the components of a ceremony. You hope that they remember to tell people to sit down or, or put their <laughs> phones away or that sort of thing, right? But the the other part of it is it takes a pretty good writer to do eight to 10 minutes of ceremony and make it fun. And that's a short ceremony, a reasonably short ceremony, especially if you, you know, consider the procession and the ring exchange and all that, it, it works out to maybe 15 or so. But but eight to 10 minutes of narrative is, is a lot to ask somebody to write. And even good writers are going to not necessarily have the time to do it right. And they'll go online like everyone else. They'll grab a quick template and it will not be personalized. And that they picked you for that reason. They picked, they picked you to create a, a feeling of personalization. So I, what we, we, in those cases, we not only interview the couple and get all of the information that we need, but we also interview the officiant themselves and get their perspective on the couple or the, or the people that they grew up with or whoever it might be. And uh, and get their voice and their perspective on marriage if they're married and that sort of and 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 so the thing becomes very much a family affair in that sense. Right. No, that's great because so many people these days are having somebody do that for whatever reasons, but yet they don't understand. They're asking someone who's unqualified 
because they're funny, because you know they're the life of the party. Yeah. There, there are all those right. things there. I was at one where somebody did a good job again, which is more unusual. So much so that people were coming up asking for his card because they thought he was a professional official. Yeah. Happened to have been a lawyer by trade, so maybe he's used to doing you know jury speeches or something like that. Yeah. And he did a good job. And then there's the others where yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. okay, but it's nothing special about it. And I think that's where you come in, making it special. One more quick example. I had a friend, uh, sorry, I had a couple that asked their best friend to do it. The couple was 26. Their best friend was 22. That person had not, not only had never spoken in public before, but had an incredible fear of doing that. And had, <laughs> on the first call said, I don't even know why they've asked me to do this. I, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm going to, you know, I'm not. I can't do this. This is terrible. We worked through it. We got to, we wrote the, the script. When we got to the rehearsal part, he froze up, completely could not speak one word. Wow. Right. And thankfully the couple worked with him a little bit to try and get him warmed up. And he did, he wound up doing it. We worked with him. It was great. It was one of our best achievements, but, but this was per- eight days before the wedding. He didn't know what, that he could speak <laughs> The first, like, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. He couldn't even get that out with me, right? So, so that's uh, that's what we're dealing with, and that's one of the things. You know, I, I believe uh, a sage person wrote, "People buy outcomes, not process, or something like that." Right? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. buy the results, not not the process. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been might me. Have, yeah, it might have not. I'm not. Uh, 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 the, I'm not trying to be too cheesy, but it might have been in my wit, wisdom, and the business, in the of business weddings, of weddings. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> by Alex. But, um, yes. but but anyway. <laughs> People want the people that are purchasing this want freedom from their fear of speaking or writing mm-hmm. uh, or or embarrassing the person. You know, pay, they right. want to pay the best tribute to that person, and so I think that's the business model here is to is to alleviate tension from the from not only the couple but the wedding party speakers, but also just the timeline, right? Just keeping all the vendors happy and everything moving <laughs> in the right direction would be an amaz- a massive accomplishment. So what you're saying is that every wedding planner should have you on speed dial because I, every every time a couple says, oh, my uncle, my friend, my cousin, that should be red flags for them. We need help. And it, every couple that says we're going to write our own vows, well, you know what? You probably want some help. So in other words, every wedding is what we're saying here. Absolutely. But I would, would also tell you that because it's such a new thing for the wedding industry and for couples themselves, the couples generally would never ask for it. They might be proactive, but for the most part- they don't know this help exists. And so that's our marketing problem, you know, going to the business side, there's obviously the B2C piece, which we will, you know, which is our responsibility, but there's a, a right now, and, and most of our business comes b to b to c which is through the wedding planners and the wedding planners saying, yes, this is going to help them. Yes, this is going to make the wedding better. I'm going to proactively talk to them and say, hey, is there anybody in your wedding party that you're nervous about or they're nervous about speaking? You know, hey, do you need help with your vows? Or, hey, are you having somebody do your ceremony that isn't an experienced officiant? We've got a service to help them. It actually brings up another possibility because I know a lot of DJs who are doing officiating or other people getting into that. Yeah, MCs, Uh, yeah. So do you do coaching for people like that? It's a great idea. I haven't thought about coaching. We've talked about providing some assistance to wedding pros that want to punch up their presentation. Mm-hmm. And punch up their uh, the people that are doing some of the educating and and you know, we we met each other at what uh, at wedding core right in wedding pro core yeah and the vast majority of the speakers yourself included were were wonderful but there were a few that could have used some editing and some mm-hmm. punch up to make yep. it a little bit more fun 
And so we thought about doing that, but I that's a, that's a good idea. We haven't really thought about the DJ piece of it. Well, I, I think about people, some people became ordained as a backup. You know, the yeah. officiant doesn't make it, has an accident, whatever, yeah. you need to be yeah. there. And then some of them got a little taste of it, like, you know what, I kind of like this, or I want to maybe not have to be there for six hours. I can come and do the ceremony and go home. And yet this is a skill to be worked on, just like the skill of DJ or planning or photography or whatever that is. So, uh, so I just threw, I just threw you another business. There, there you, you go. go Ryan. Uh, they, that's that my marketing brain. I'm going to put that in my business plan <laughs> of my various sales prongs. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my, that's my marketing, marketing plan there. So going straight uh, into uh, Trello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the other thing you mentioned, actually, it's another episode. I'm not sure if it's coming out before or after this, which is one where I, I said, they can't ask for what they don't know exists. And this is both in terms of results, because that's you know what I talk about, sell the results. We see, we in the industry see these results because we see all these different events, whether personally or vicariously through what you know industry events and things. Couples have their blinders on and only can see what they see. And yes, if they go to Instagram, they still have their blinders on because they, yeah. they see one, you know, if they're lucky, they see 1% of what's happening over there. This type of thing, it's, it, it's always an interesting marketing thing for me as a marketer to say, when they don't know to ask for it, how do you market it? And Steve Jobs was brilliant at this, right? Nobody know, knew they needed an iPod mm-hmm. until they couldn't live without it. Now, or iPad. Right. I remember when they first came out, I was thinking, ah, who needs that, right? I think I'm on my fifth, right? Yeah. <laughs> who needs that thing? So it's the why. It's not the what, right? Mm-hmm. What you do, if you say, oh, I can help you with that. Oh, okay, I can do that. No, no, no. This is why. And that's the whole sell. And for everybody listening, it's the same thing for your business, whether you're you're a DJ, great, but why you? Not why do I need a DJ, why do I need you? You're a venue, great, but why your venue? And it's getting yeah. to that why. It, people pay more money to eliminate negative things than to get positive. You know that from politics, it's always like yeah. you're telling why the other person's bad and you don't want them. Instead. If you tell somebody this is a benefit, good. If you say, uh, I'll give you an example. Hey, you know, your house is getting older, you should probably check the plumbing. Yeah, yeah, I'll check it. Brian, a pipe is leaking. Call the plumber now, right? We're going to fix it now if we see that there's a problem. It's almost like your 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 sizzle reel should be all the bad fails that we'll find on YouTube somewhere, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then your good ones showing here. This is what it could have been. Well, SNL did this uh, back uh, some months ago. SNL had a sketch that was very very funny. Uh, that was essentially a maid of honor speech gone horribly horribly wrong and it's essentially a five-minute commercial for us it's it's like i know you send you, you say not to send out links but i always send it <laughs> i always send it it's fine it's just going to reinforce everything but right but, but it is an interesting you know look it's an interesting problem when you have all of these weddings happening and they don't know that they need this because they a don't know it exists but also because they're idealizing their own wedding, right? They go in thinking that it's going to be great, right? We got Uncle Bob's going to do the officiating and we've got, you know, my best man's going to deliver a great speech because I know him and, you know, and they always think everything's going to be going to be fine. And I, I think it's incumbent upon us as professionals to remind them that that's not exactly how this is going to go, right? <laughs> it's going to be great. It might yes. be, it might be perfect, but it's never going to go without a problem. Right. right. And, and, something. and they're going to say it was perfect. And we know it wasn't because right. we know that the, that the swan was gliding gracefully on top of the water while paddling like mad underneath. Yeah. We, yeah. we know that. And that's why you hire professionals because when things go wrong, the couple may never know. And it's taken care of all those things are fixed. Uh, somebody else that I met, uh, it's going to be on a much sure again, before you, or after you, I interviewed him was the, the wedding weatherman. 
Uh, I don't know if you met Andrew I, there. You know, yeah, I heard, I heard about him. Uh, yeah. he was, uh, I think he, I went to engage and he was, uh, he was at engage. He was, yes. He was at engage and, and he was, uh, like, I didn't get, I, don't, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I, people were talking about the unique services that were at, at engage and it was us and, and the weather. And, the weatherman. <laughs> and, and, and that's why I want you on because I have my series, the niche is this, which again, the, the good news is you're in a very narrow niche and there were very few other people doing kind of what you're doing. There are some that touch it, but, yeah. and then same thing with him. The downside is if they don't know to ask for it, right? So that's where this visibility comes in. So I hope that this gives you a little bit of visibility. Absolutely. And that's, and that's by the way, where competition helps you, right? I mean, that's when you have, yeah. this is one of those situations where I don't really worry about competition, not because you're not supposed to pay attention to them, but because it, the more that they talk about it, they're, they're helping soften the marketplace. And then we'll get, then someday maybe we'll get into who's better, but it doesn't really matter right now because right right now, the more people that do it, the more, the easier it will be for all of us. And I actually did another episode, you know, are you really better or just different? Because we'll never know if you're better. Right. It's if they hired you and somebody else, and then you could compare them side by side, we would know, but you'll never know. So they just have to feel that they want the results that you're going to give. And competition, like I just think about, I just came back from the UK. So on, you know, Saville Row or all the fine tailors in London, and they're all there. Yeah. Why are they all there? Because that's where you go for that, right? Yeah. It, 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 well, you go to 47th Street in New York for jewelry. Why? Because all of the jewelers are there. That's yeah. the place to go. So competition draws attention to mm-hmm. that as opposed to actually hurting you because no matter how many you get, and I wish you tons of success, you're going to do a small fraction of the number of weddings that happen in the country. 2.2 million weddings, well, this year more, but 2.2 million weddings, you know, a small fraction of that is going to keep you really, really busy. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, please let me get 0.5% of the, <laughs> of the weddings in this country alone. <laughs> right. right. I, uh, any plans to uh, go international? We've talked about it. We've talked about it. You know, there's, there are some, even with the English speaking countries, there are language and cultural barriers that, yes. you, that would require a franchisee essentially to, right. to, to be there. So it's a downstream part of the model. Uh, we've also looked at other industries outside of weddings that, uh, or other events that are right. outside of weddings that could be have their own specialization. I think as we build out right now, I, I find when I keep my eye on as focused on the ball as possible, I, I play better. And, right. and so uh, I try not to get too get ahead. with other, with other projects. Right. It's, right. it's well, I'm not that's one a, of those people that can do 15 businesses at once. I got to do one. And, do and that's, right. that's, yeah. that's a great lesson as well. You know, know that those things are there, but focus on what you're focusing on. And then when it's time, give that full attention, treat it like a business. Yes. Uh, when I decided to narrow my niche to the wedding and event industry, uh, which as people listening to this might've heard this before, somebody said my niche is an inch wide, but it's a mile deep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know what I speak about translates to outside the wedding event industry. I choose not to look for that business. It, it finds me occasionally. That's fine. I'll speak outside or tangential to it, but I don't look for it. It's not there. Uh, the reason I mentioned it, having just come back from the UK and going to Canada, wedding hosts are a big thing in some other countries. So that's, it's different than here. You know, yeah. we call maybe an MC, but you know, in Canada, very common to hire a wedding host, and then you're going to have your entertainment and stuff like we, that. We, we've run into that. We've done a few <laughs> weddings that were actually, that originated in the United States, but wound up in destinations where they were hiring uh, destination planners there and and also uh, officiants. And I, I, I should have mentioned, we are doing work in Canada 
which I guess culturally feels close enough. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> but, again, but again, you know, listen, yeah. people, people outside this country say, what's a wedding like in the U.S.? I said, where? Yeah. Where? No, right. Don't just say the U.S. I mean, this is a pretty big place here. And I yeah. grew up in the New York, New Jersey area, and I never knew that dancing between courses of your meal was, wasn't the thing in other parts of the country. It's actually oh, yeah. a novelty. It's a novelty. So just things like that. But again, you know, we can we can go on forever here. So uh, pe- people want to find you, vowsandspeeches.com and and yeah, is spelled A-N-D. out. Yeah, vowsandspeeches.com. <laughs> Same as it, on, on Instagram, uh, vows, and, vows and, and speeches. Yeah, Great. This will be in the show notes as well. So you guys don't have to write that down. Just take a look at the show notes. Brian, thank you for being on. Much success to you. And I look forward to seeing you at the next yeah. event. It was a pleasure. And thanks for having me again. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. You can find full transcripts on my website at podcast.allenberg.com. And if you have a suggestion for a topic for a new episode or even a guest, please let me know at alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. And if you'd like to find out about having me come and speak to your association or a conference or do sales training in person or remotely for your team, whether you're a team of one or a team of a hundred, please let me know again, alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. Thanks for listening.